than some putty eye, even if we day old, y'all put your hands up, nah, put your hands down, put them in the ground, mix it with the brown, it's that new sound, even if it's age old, fresher than some putty eye, even if we day old, oh, All right, so we're live here on the Microbial Secret Society, and today I'm with uh, Lucas Kambik. Hi, Drake. Hey. How you doing, man? Uh, you know, normal, baseline. How are you? Good. Hey, so I, I wanted to kind of start off talking to you about Tesla coils. Oh, uh, you'd ask Chester about that, too. He probably knows more than me, but... uh. What what do you want to know? Well, isn't that how you met Chester? Yeah, actually. Yeah, it literally is. I don't know. <laughs> it's the major factor, at least. Yeah. Isn't isn't that like uh, if if you build a Tesla coil, you're in like a elite group of electronics nerds? Uh, it's not it's not rocket science. You know, building a solid state one maybe puts you in a semi elite group. Is getting the silicon to cooperate with the, uh, you know, the lightning bolts tends to be harder. These are an old-fashioned one. The way Nikola Tesla used to build them, you know, with the, the bolts and copper wire and not much else. Um, like like hard wire, no no circuits. Well, there's there's circuits, but the the components are are very simple and crude in some ways. Uh, you're you're really exploiting basic electromagnetism. You know, coils of wire. Coils of conductive material, um, and then uh, capacitors, which are just you know plates of conductive material separated from each other, and that's pretty much all there is to it. I guess there's a switching element too, and for conventional old-fashioned Tesla coil, that's usually a spark gap. Basically, when voltages uh, voltages are high enough, they'll they'll jump across a gap, and you use that as your automatic switch uh, for the oscillating circuit. And that's all you're trying to do. It's called an RC tank circuit, which is a an unromantic way of uh, describing a really cool thing where you're basically bouncing energy back and forth between its magnetic form of electromagnetism and electrostatic energy. Uh, you know, use the kind you're used to from uh, you know balloons or whatever socks. I don't know, whoever people experience stag little shocks you get on doorknobs doesn't happen too often here but that that static electricity that discharge like if i drag my feet on a carpet in a desert and then i and i shock it that's one of the forms of electricity you're creating yeah i mean that's that's electrons that, that's more electrons on one wanting to get off one sur- surface onto another there's a charge imbalance uh so basically you're you're forming a natural capacitor you're being a capacitor in some cases. Um, that capacitor is the, the term for 
a electronic part that's specialized to do that, basically store store energy in electrostatic form. So you can store quite a bit in a small area with a specialized device, but you can also store some on your body or a balloon or a you know, piece of rubber, whatever. whatever. Um, and lightning, of course, is you know a great demonstration of electrostatic discharge in nature. You end up with huge charge, disequilibrium, clouds and stuff. It's kind of crazy. It doesn't really make sense to me, but and then it discharges and that's lightning. So, so what's the other like magnetic form then? Yeah, I mean that one's maybe a little less intuitive for people, which is too bad because it's really cool. You know, if you magnets, right, how do they work, right? Uh, but if you move a, a magnet near something that's conductive, you will in, induce an electric current in that conductive thing. That's just a rule of nature. Um, and similarly, if you pass an electric current through something that is conductive, you create a magnetic field. Um, and that's the principle behind, you know, electric motors, of course, and transformers, if you've heard of those. A Tesla coil is just a type of transformer, high-frequency transformer uh, coupled to a high-frequency tank circuit, essentially. So you, you amplify the electricity two different ways, uh, two different impedance levels. It's like a stepwise kind of thing. That's how you get the crazy voltages. Like like super really really high voltage because Tesla was about those like really high voltage things, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he was just fascinated by the uh, you know the wonder of it. I think he was definitely an interesting guy, kind of an odd guy. But uh, it, it's hard not to be drawn to the aesthetic, <laughs> at least for some of us. Um. Uh. But he he was curious what they could do. He's like, this has got to be it's got to be useful, right? We're, we're we're harnessing lightning here, so he experimented, you know, with wireless power transmission, which is you, know, you can do. It's just not practical. Um, you end up wasting a lot of power because it, it goes in every direction. There's there's no real way to direct it um, with you know essentially RF RF uh, electrostatic discharge. It's not a true RF radio wave. It doesn't have the and the radio waves are insane too. It's ridiculous. That's a, that's the next level of ridiculous to be some kind of you know mathematician to, and an artist to, to really grasp what they're doing. That's a changing magnetic field coupled to a changing electrostatic field, and in just the right way, I think they just like dance with each other and can transmit over long distances in you know in beams and all that, and they're, they're not you know, they, they don't just go in every every direction. Anyway. Yeah, so so it's a, a different type of wave, like that is directed. So so the idea, you know, we have wireless charging, like the Qi charger, like you know, whatever. I take my my phone and I put it on top of this thing, but yeah, it's just creating yeah. induction, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a high frequency oscillating magnetic field. It's not actually a radio wave per se. And my phone gets significantly hot when I wirelessly charge it, and that's the waste you're saying. Yeah, yeah, the, it's yeah, it's uh, sorry, it's inherent to the to the thing because because it can't just like with a wire it could send the beam along the wire and it would be kind of bounded to the surface of that wire and it would go directed up into my phone via the wire but with a wireless field even though it's minute small because it spreads out like you know like this the what is it squared like of the distance yeah that, that's that, right that i lose it and then it, it yeah. spreads out like so fast <laughs> that i can't there, there's like the transmission up is is like this i lose it by a square distance 
distance away because it's going yes. concentrically. I forgot you're a math guy. You know about this stuff, right? So it's it's inverse square law versus um inverse cube law. So with light, light is you know, light is like a radio wave. It's electromagnetic radiation. It's just really, really, really high frequency. We're used to inverse square law, right? The further you get away, it's you know, it's pretty intuitive. Like like um, radios. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah with anything like that. So with electromagnetic fields, um, it's inverse cube, meaning it diminishes much faster with distance. And what that means is basically you end up, even over fairly short distances, you end up um, transmitting power to things you didn't mean to. It's just it's just radiating away. Maybe it's heating some of the metal in the rest of your phone. It's not all going to the coil. Now, if you if you have the coils really close together, you can get pretty high efficiency. So some of that heat could just be you know normal normal loss. You know, all conductors. There's no such thing as a perfect conductor except a superconductor, but can't, we don't know any room temperature ones yet. So can't have those in your phone. Um, yeah. So having them real close together like that is, it's a transformer. Basically that's, that's, that's what a transformer is. You, you have an oscillating magnetic field in one coil conductor, and then that sets up a, that sets up a current in the, uh, the coil that's right next to it. They just sort of, you know, teach each other to do what they're doing. Um, yeah, so so they're just like because because I know with the wireless charging, I gotta be real precise on where I put my phone. I can't yeah. be off off from it. it like so, the, so the coils have to line up, and it's like if I line them right up to each other, then they can oscillate this field across this air gap as if there wasn't an air gap because mag- the magnetic field, like just like a magnet, can pull even though it's not um, directly touching something. The field still goes th- like through the table, for instance. Yeah, yeah it's I just could like put that. something and move it around, move a magnet under the table. And move above right but it doesn't go that far it falls off real fast right with the magnet right if i pulled it like a, a an inch away it would have no effect right but if i put it right to the bottom of this glass table yep. that we're at it would move and so it's that same principle to get wireless charging into my phone yeah pretty much yeah i mean you could literally have a magnet you could rotate a magnet you know with your hand whatever you want spin a magnet by a coil and you will induce a current in that coil and that's how generators work Literally, it's just a magnet rotating by the coil. You can go in Chester's garage and, and see he has some taken apart. That's all there is to it. Um, that's why you know people figured this out over a hundred years ago, and they're like, "Wow, this is this is magic." It is magic. That's... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but what was there a difference between this magnetic field and the one you're talking about in the Tesla coil? Uh, like the like the one in this phone, phone like because it's inducing a magnetic charge. But you were saying like, no, no, they're they're both air cord transformers, so they're very similar. I don't know, maybe maybe they have a little ferrite core in the phone ones that can improve efficiency sometimes. But uh, yeah, it's it's entirely the same principle. Are, are you familiar with uh, eight quadrant theory of electricity? No, I don't think so. So, so usually, usually they do four quadrant modeling of electricity, but there's there's the same dimensions that are actually in what they call counter space, which is like the same. You know, you know how you have imaginary numbers in math, yeah, and it's in like this negative universe, but we can still model it and and show, and it'll pop back out into like real space, but it's right. in imaginary space. Yeah, that's really interesting stuff. I I don't know much about it. Well, so so this guy that I follow talks about electricity, and he he studied the eight quadrant theory, which is a way to do electrical equations using algebra. Oh, cool! I mean, a lot a lot of 
basic electrical equations are nothing but algebra, but maybe he simplified some more complex ones into algebra. Yeah. That... Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of yeah, because the, there's certain phenomenon that that power engineers try to understand, but that understanding like there's this counter space, what he calls it, which is just kind of like the same idea as imaginary numbers. It's it's just like when you, you know, like for instance, in quantum physics, you have a quanta, right? A light, a particle's here, and then it disappears, and then it's here. And it, and it went from here to here, like, but it wasn't in this middle. Right, right. Yeah. And you're like, well, where was it? <laughs> right. And, but, it, but so that, that idea of where it was, was in counter space. That's, yeah, there's, there's got to be more than one way to model this stuff that's equally valid with the others, which is fascinating. Um, you know, at least for practical purposes, because we don't have a unified theory yet. So we don't really know what's going on. Um, that's that's really interesting to read more about it. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I, that's that's why you know talking about Tesla coils. I know you understand electricity and math and these understand like like enough enough to build that to build a circuit, right? Yeah, you barely need any math, thank God. <laughs> well, well, but but isn't it? I mean, that's to me that's well something that brings math out of the theoretical. Because oftentimes math gets so lost, like you'll get a summation of something and da, 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 and you're just like, you, how the hell can you even read that yeah, equation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, I see what you mean. Cause, yeah, the stuff on paper, forget about it. I have no idea what's going on. But yeah, it, it, you're pretty close to the bone in terms of you know basic physical laws and, and the way they, they work mathematically when, when you're building stuff like this, like the area of the capacitor surface and the you know, the number of turns of the coil. It's just like, yeah. And then it has like physical properties. Like it'll exert this much force or this much, it'll hold this much, um, you know, the capacitor. What is it? What's it holding? Like electricity. I mean, it's holding. It's just, um, again, it's just like static electricity. Just like when you zap yourself in a doorknob, it's, it's electrons accumulating. Oh, between plates, right? Well, the electrons are on the conductor surface. They're, they're hanging out wanting to jump across an insulator but they can't just like when you become a capacitor so you're what, walking what, on what a... enables it to discharge well you, you discharge it with the rest of the circuit it discharges through the spark gap and then through the coil and that gives a pulse of energy into the coil which then forms a magnetic field and the magnetic field collapses and bounces back into the capacitor and recharges it and if you have them sized just right in proportion to each other uh, the capacitance versus inductance of the coil you know, based on the number of turns and the size of the coil and then the area of the capacitor plates and the, how far apart they're separated by an insulator. Um, if you have those things just in balance, they'll form this resonant circuit. It just rings like a bell. Um, and that's why the you know the final stage when you're building a Tesla coil, the final stage of getting it working is, is tuning. And basically, you try to build a circuit. You, you try to do the basic math and get it as close as you can, but you know, it would be crazy to do the, the super advanced math that it would take to get get them exactly in tune with each other from the start. So you just adjust the circuit. You know, you'll you'll shorten the coil a little bit or remove a couple of capacitors if you have several in, in parallel. And then uh get them working with each other perfectly. That's the idea. So you set up yeah, set up this thing as ringing like a bell, and then the Tesla coil, you know the column part in the middle is an additional uh tank circuit tuned to the same frequency it's kind of like you know you have a tuning fork and you ring it and you put another tuning fork near it and it'll start oscillating it's just like that um and then that that circuit starts oscillating 
but they have different ratios of capacitance to inductance, and that causes a shift in voltage. Um, that's the <laughs> I'm trying to think of an intuitive way to describe this stuff. Uh, I'm sure there is one, but um, yeah, that's that's the crazy thing about transformers. You know, you have hi cat. Uh, <laughs> if you have ten turns on one coil of a transformer and a hundred turns on the other coil, they're right next to each other, just like the one on your phone, or you can put an iron core between them, which makes things more efficient. Um, if you put one volt through the coil with ten turns, you'll get a hundred, or sorry, you'll get ten volts out of the coil with a hundred turns. It will multiply your voltage by the ratio of the number of turns of the coil, which is ridiculous. You know, the number of times it wraps around, <laughs> but there it is. But if it increases your voltage, it must lower something else. Yes, lowers the current, and current. that's why you can usually touch the output from a Tesla coil without getting hurt. Whereas if you touch the primary circuit, as we call it, the you know the first one that's this resonating between the um, primary coil and the capacitor, you will get hurt. There's quite a bit of current there. The voltage um, voltage is pretty harmless to humans when you when your finger discharges on a doorknob. If it makes a visible spark, that's probably at least a thousand volts, um, often more to jump to be able to jump through the air like that. Current is what is what causes the damage. Current is the number of electrons flowing through a conductor. It's like the amount of, you know, just like the water pipe analogy. It's the amount of water flowing through the pipe. And then voltage is the pressure. And if you have just a few electrons moving real fast, uh, the body's able to, to deal with that pretty well. It's just a, basically, the body acts like a short circuit. just attenuates it completely. At high current, you run into all kinds of problems. You get burned. Uh, it starts confusing your... You know, the electric circuits that control your heart and stuff like that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all, all this all this is very interesting to me because I, I, I studied computer science, right? And so, you know, in computer science where you have a one and a zero, which I kind of think of as like, you know, I extrapolate it out to even physics where you have a wave or a particle. Like you, one is being the presence of something and zero being the absence. And, and largely how a computer's models, it's just like high voltage or low voltage. You know, if it's above something, we call it a high voltage. And then, you know, there's some parameter of what that circuit means for a high voltage. And then there's a low voltage, which just usually is the absence of that. Right. How's uh, um, that? Sorry. <laughs> well, well, so so to relate that into into electricity, where then you have you have voltage and you have current and you have all these things, like like I kind of see those more as like almost grand unifying principles. Um. It, oh, crap. Uh, what's going on? I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure, sorry, I'm not sure how. Uh, I'm not sure how that exactly connects with with the Tesla coil stuff. Um trying to think of it though there's <laughs> gotta be a way well it's just it's just conceptually modeling it but but what so i wanted to ask something about this so i know that earth has a current yeah where does that come from no <clears throat> oh it's from the rotation no, magnetic field well do you know about piezoelectricity yeah that's cool stuff again to totally different from electromagnetism that we're used we're used to but well, from what I know, it's like you—it's com you're compressing something, and by compressing it, it makes a charge on it. Right. Yeah, maybe it does work like electrostatics in some ways. I'm not sure. 
Well, I mean, the, the Earth is so. So one thing I know is like the voltage difference between the Earth and the ionosphere is huge. Okay. Yeah. Like that makes we, sense. we often think in this reality that things are like neutral, but they're not. They're, the charge potential of here is like <laughs> so immense. Well, it's all relative, right? It's yeah. Like... Well, we just set it to zero, but like, yeah. But, but the immensity of the charge potential between the Earth and the ionosphere, and we exist in this little like spark gap. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a spark gap, right? Sure. Yeah. And well, occasionally it discharges, and that's the lightning. Yeah. I guess, is that the ionosphere? Is that where light is that the level lightning comes from? The ionosphere? You're probably right. I, I well, I it's, no it's, I mean, it's coming from the outer, outer bits and then like charged particles start yeah. to heat up and it's somehow the same like principle. cosmic stuff. Then, then as they particles move, it creates electricity because yeah, totally. it creates magnetic fields, which then makes an imbalance, which then discharges to keep it balanced between the earth and the yeah. and space. Yeah. There's your, I, can't remember where there ends up being more electrons there's like positive discharge lighting and negative discharge lighting it's whether there's more electrons building up in the clouds or whether there's more electrons building up on the earth relative to the clouds it's really crazy i want to say most most is negative but anyway oh uh, well well so have you ever noticed that the way have you ever noticed like you know what a fractal banding is or or no. like like an electrical discharge how, how it kind of goes along oh, like yeah, a tree yeah. shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so so cool. It's just it's so beautiful and uh, it's just awesome. What, what do you call that? Like arc arcing or something? Corona discharge, maybe, or maybe there's a name for it, like some German guy. I don't know. Like, a, well, I've heard of it. Yeah, frac- fractal banding. Uh, there's all Lake Lichtenberg. Lichtenberg figures. Yeah, that's Lichtenberg. One, if you take a photo of a lightning bolt, at least that's you know, you know an electrical discharge. That's what they call it. Well, I heard what you can do is you can take a square block of uh, acrylic, you know, plexiglass, and you can irradiate it. Like send it through my dad's irradiator. Yeah. And then you can take it out and you can put a nail on the top and you hit it with a hammer and it just goes in a yeah, Lichtenberger so awesome. figure instantly fills the figure. And then it, since it's plexiglass, it's clear, but you see this discharge. Right. So, that's so, awesome. So you're familiar with that. Yeah. I heard of that years ago. So your dad has a, what is it called? An electron beam irradiator, right? So it's, it's just shooting out really fast electrons. And I guess you can throw enough inside the acrylic that it builds up. It's basically making a super high voltage charged capacitor inside the acrylic block when well, you put so, that nail yeah. in it, it kind of directs the field it makes a point for the discharge to start and then bam discharges the capacitor yeah yeah know. yeah the acrylic acts as a discharge but i think it's i think it's like the gamma radiation that's there i don't know if it's the it might be the x-ray or gamma that's that's because because my dad's an electron source but this also works with like a gamma irradiator oh, interesting. so you can do it with a nuclear element too. okay yeah, that kind of makes sense. I mean, they can build up. I'm not quite sure how that would work compared to the electron one, but awesome. This is really cool. So, so the the Lichten, So, what I've noticed in my observation of life is that you know that Lichtenberg figure kind of follows like the one, one, two, three, five, eight, thirteen, twenty-one pattern. Does it? I didn't know that. Are you, are you familiar with that pattern? No. <laughs> It's it's called um, Fibonacci sequence. Oh, that's a Fibonacci, of course. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's just one, you know, one, and then you add those together to get two, and then right. two plus the previous is is yeah, two plus yeah. one, three, three plus two is f- five, eight. So, you know that that yeah. figure. So so that's the Lichtenberg figure. It follows that pattern. Okay. But do you ever notice trees also follow that pattern? I guess they do. 
didn't really pay that much attention. I never noticed trees before. You know, it's just you know, what, what are plants? I have no idea. <laughs> well, well, in in this static charge between the the charge differential, like the Earth and the the electric current and the the space, like ionosphere differential, the the plants are kind of acting as these like electrical arcs. They're following the same pattern, yeah, arcing yeah. up out of the ground <laughs> towards this charge differential. Oh, they're so cool. Oh, that's awesome. Oh man. Sometimes they get hit by electrical cousins. Hmm. Wow. Well, yeah. Well, I tend to I, I tend to see that that pattern from those same things. So, like, like, like the the tree, like as a capacitor or a Tesla coil, or as like somehow like this ground between this potential, it grows along this field to 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 yeah. you know and that's how charge and flow and yeah definitely there, there's definitely a valid metaphor there i think in both cases you know you don't want to personify electricity but it's the electricity is trying to discharge as fast as possible so it's trying to reach as much area as possible i guess but it has limits that it can do that under just like a living thing in some ways uh so it has to, it builds that structure because it's the most efficient way that it's able to dissipate charge to move those electrons from one place to another. And with the tree, it's a, it's kind of the same deal, but it's trying to gather light, it's trying to gather electromagnetic radiation from the sky, from the sun, um, and forming branches and dividing them in a pattern is the best way to do that. And obviously, we see variations in branching patterns and stuff because there's, you know, different different trees have different things going on for them, different advantages they can exploit. But whereas electricity, is, it's a little more, a uh, little more mathematically locked down to certain in certain ways. But solely you know, lightning looks totally different in low pressure pressure gas and all that stuff, like a neon tube, you know, a totally different kind of discharge. So, um, but. But yeah, at least with atmospheric pressure discharges, there's definitely a uh, <laughs> a valid common thread there. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, well, the top part is going to that, and then the roots are probably the most efficient. Like you're saying, dissipating energy. So the roots going into the ground, they're like a really efficient ground system, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're kind of they're gathering a lot of the time. They, they definitely release stuff too. But think of them as energy dischargers from this charge differential where the above is getting this solar energy and the solar energy is creating some sort of charge, right? That's energy just like a solar panel creates electricity above. Then the roots are somehow dis- discharging that into a ground, right? Because yeah. otherwise the electricity would have nowhere to go. Like the tree would burn up, right? Yeah. that's Maybe that's not like the exact... Um way i would put the metaphor but but totally yeah <laughs> so so tree tree roots are like electrical and like grounding out solar panel electricity from above is it well i don't want to use the word electricity because it's different there's not yeah there's not that much electricity going on plants we should reserve that for electricity well it's like more but subtle though right what it, what is it but they, they're, they're charging sugar and carbon yeah bonds. it's it's energy and you know what maybe we we could say electricity in the sense of charge gradients across mitochondrial membranes kind of forgot about that yeah you're right you're, you're spot on forget about it forget everything i said <laughs> <laughs> it's like because it's, it's, 
it is crazy when you think about it. It's like almost all, I can't think of any like energy that powers life. That's not electricity based in a certain sense. Cause this is almost, it's always any, any, anything with mitochondria. It's, there's that charge differential across the mitochondrial membrane. There's excess electron, electrons on one side. It's acting kind of like capacitor actually. And they're discharging through ATP synthase, which is that crazy little rotating enzyme. That's just completely insane. And making ATP, which is sort of the you know the currency of energy for almost all organisms. And with bac- you know bacteria have some slightly different ways of doing it, but it's not that different fundamentally. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, don't they kind of explode it? Like, like mitochondria have like gangly bodies in it or something. I forget the exact term, but they have like these chambers where it's like, like the nuclear explosion level if you scaled it up to our size, kind of thing. Like, of just these, like as they combust the ATP. Yeah, I mean they got a lot of surface area. There's that inner folded membrane and the outer membrane, but I'm not sure what you mean by explosion. Like I heard, there's a blast chamber within mitochondria, where like they they're like these crazy like they they have this this like thing in them where they explode stuff. And if you took that force and scaled it up to like our size, because mitochondria are very tiny, it'd be like the equivalent of like nuclear bombs just huh. going off. And that's how they're generating yeah. electricity. I don't know what they refer to. The... Yeah, the charge. How does the charge difference originate? I'm trying to remember biochemistry now. Biochemistry is from insane people which is a shame because it's so cool because insane people need to learn to talk to the general public more that that applies across the board but uh um yeah i don't know exactly what they would be referring to like it's a super dense energy point it, it, it is a lot of concentrated energy for sure um i'm trying to remember wait, what's the membrane what's the voltage across the membrane i thought it was just a couple volts I don't know, <laughs> but, awesome but it is an electrical electrical. Oh yeah, definitely, absolutely, completely. So and they're turning sugars into energy, like the electricity, basically. Well, is it? Is yeah, it, it can go both ways. You, you can turn sugar into energy, and uh, well, oh, well, the, the photosynthesis makes it stores the energy, right? And then right. the combustion is through ATP, right? Yeah. So with plants, they have their special thing going on with chloroplasts, where you you directly convert light into electrical energy into you know the electrical charge straight off the bat from chlorophyll um which is amazing of course and then you know you're transferring that to uh, uh you're using that energy to help assemble molecules basically that, that have energy potential and then plants also have mitochondria that can burn those molecules and make atp um so it's a little bit more of a complicated chain there but not not really that complicated uh <laughs> yeah yeah it's so awesome yeah chlorophyll is uh, just insane chloroplasts my gosh you know the, the photon hits and the electron bounces up gets excited and then um and then you have the you know the whole charge transfer apparatus it's like bouncing around in there through this you know, beautiful machinery yeah yeah i mean yeah it's cool to understand that that plant tech of like some so sophisticated energy like photosynthesis to generate what what i'm what i'm curious about is um ground ground okay 
What, what are you curious about? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything about Crown. <laughs> what do you know? Well, no, no. So, so I just, I just wired a, uh, um, a GFC, a GFI. Uh, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ground, like ground a, fault. You know. Yeah, yeah for the, the for the socket. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just I just wired one, right? So I, I took one outlet and then I wired up this thing and then I wired it, and basically on there there was a black and a white wire, and then there was a copper wire that was un unsheathed, but oh, it did yeah. have this kind of like brown because it was uh what what do you call it? like uh you know Romex wire right for wiring houses, so okay. it's a sheath, and then there was the the. You know, and actually, there's a red wire in there too. But I clipped the wet red wire out because I didn't need it, and I left the uh, the white in the black, and then I hooked up this copper wire. Right. And so when I read on the bottom, it said hot line. Right. I I think a neutral, and then a ground. Yeah. So if if all is well, neutral should be at ground potential, but that doesn't always work that way. Um. Oh, okay, so so what is what is ground? Ground is just uh, earth potential. Yeah, it's, it's like if you you stick a wire in the ground, uh, that's what we've agreed upon as being the the universal. That's that's whatever that potential is, completely arbitrary and meaningless. In you know, if you take reality as a whole, it's an earthly construct. That's why it's called ground. <laughs> <laughs> So so ground fluctuates then. Yeah, I mean relative to relative to what is the question? <laughs> well, no, like, no, but this but this maybe is what we were talking about before where we were saying like relative to like it's piezoelectric or like some, you know, when I was saying there's a huge charge potential in our our between the earth and the ionosphere because we're in this like charge circuit, like we're in the spark gap and there's a huge charge potential. Right. But Earth is like this thing that we just define to be like zero, right? Yeah, we could equal. We could define the ionosphere to be zero and do all the same math, and it all work out the same way. But so, so, but, but I kind of think what you're saying here is that in my electronic circuit, I had two wires, which one is going to be what I consider hot, and the other is going to be like neutral or like ground potentially. But then somehow that difference gets out of whack sometimes, so it dumps the excess electricity through the third wire, which is a ground. Is this correct? Uh, yeah, all, this all gets into like the, the vagaries of the electrical grid and the things that were, you know, convenient and also, you know, help to keep people safe. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact theory right now. I'm sure Chester is the one to ask about this. He will know every single bit. <laughs> Uh, well, well, yeah, we'll have one. It's it's something along the lines of uh, uh, if there's an electrical short, it minimizes the risk. It, it minimizes the the number of wires that might shock you. The idea is, um, you know, the the box, the the metal box on your electrical device should be at ground potential or neutral potential. If something goes wrong inside, and one of the wires touches the case and you touch the case, you don't want to get zapped. Ideally, um, if it's actually grounded, it'll, it'll short circuit into the ground. <laughs> in case that's the, the current won't, won't go to you. It'll preferentially go into that ground wire. And the neutral is supposed to also be the ground wire, but it's sort of a, it's grounded further away from you. The, the ground wire that they give you is grounded at your home 
whereas the neutral is like rounded up in the electrical system somewhere and there sometimes things don't work exactly right and i i guess some you're you're relying on on someone else and you're also relying on wires to conduct well that's this is my vague vague understanding of it it's 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 just safety insurance kind of thing and there's other good reasons to do it to have a, a localized ground um but yeah you're running that relatively short wire to the ground where you, where you are and there's advantages to that you know the, the main thing is you don't want to have you don't want to touch something that's has significantly different potential than the ground you're standing on that's particularly true if you're standing on bare ground with you know bare wet ground with bare feet <laughs> can really get zapped but um, you become the wire yes uh, but yeah that's basically it it's all arbitrary stuff. You don't need any of that stuff to make electrical stuff work for the most part. Um, sometimes it helps with, with noise reduction. That's another good reason to do it. Uh, meaning like uh, clamping down bad, you know, uh, spurious currents that get picked up in the wires and stuff. But And, you know, light, lightning bolts, of course, you have a, it diverts them. Um, provides a relatively short wire for the, the lightning bolt to go down basically where it wants to go um, all, all you're doing is expediting its journey a little bit hopefully bypassing yourself and your loved ones goods <laughs> treasures whatever yeah. uh, th those those make sense to me okay sorry no rambling are you familiar yeah. with this this no, are, have you studied music at all uh really Piano wants to suck at it. Yeah, you, you can pick that up out of there if you want to just like lean back and stuff. No, I, I don't know anything about music. Except it's fun to listen to. I don't know how people make it. Yeah, well, um, so so what I what I understand through music theory is that you get a thing called harmonics. Are you familiar with harmonics at yeah. all? Yeah, yeah. You you get those in RC tank circuits too, with you know capacitors and coils and all that. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I say like music and electricity and like the one and the zero and all these these concepts are like pretty darn unified through this idea. Yeah, and I think the, the one and the zero but, put us more of an outlier. But if you tilt this a little bit, better, oh sorry, like sorry. like oh yeah, 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 and then you're talking to the top of it. I think the one and the zero are different, but I'm gonna let you finish. Oh. As they say. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, no, no. Well, there's actually three states to the universe that I, as I understand it. And, and that is like, because in, in computer science, like you can have something that's true or false, or you can have a, a null state, which is kind of an okay. undefined, like it's not one or zero, but it's like, we don't know. Right. Okay. So I think it's actually like, we think of things as binary, but it's actually tertiary. There's like a, like a or trinary. Yeah. That's kind of how third. the quantum computing is supposed to work too, right? Oh man. Getting into weird territory. <laughs> well, well, so here, here's a, here's a theory that I want to kind of talk to you. It's kind of a little off off subject here, but but the basic idea, or it's kind of on this subject. But but um, I have a theory that either we we have we either say something is true or false. So like, right. so let me let me give you an example. Like I I came over here and visited you. You can say, well, that's true, but. In, in but the opposite case of that is not false it's it's we don't know it's this chaos and that you can say yes 
is not equal to no because the opposite of yes is chaos and the opposite of no is chaos. So basically, if you don't have a defined state, like I'm here or I'm not here, the other state of it is chaos. Like if I'm here, then the other answer is chaos. And if I'm not here, then the other answer is chaos. And chaos is not equal to chaos. Gotcha. Yeah. And so we, we, in a tautology, we usually say yes equals chaos, chaos equals no. And then we combine those two chaoses to say, well, those are equivalent. And then we say yes equals no. But I don't believe that. I believe there's a third bit that we're forgetting, which it's yes equals null equals no. And there's a there's an operator between there of this state of that, you know, like, so when I think... I always think like it comes to philosophical when I have regrets of something like, or I did something. I'm like, I should have done this because I thought, Oh, well, it's a binary choice. If I had done that, (laughs) then it would have been the other. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but the universe is chaos. So if I hadn't done that, I have no fucking inkling of the outcome. And I think, Oh, I should have done that. And it would have been better. No, like I can't even imagine that. Oh yeah. Because it's chaos. Yeah. You could, well, you could have regretted the other decision just as much or more. There's absolutely no way to know. But uh, I mean that—that's I guess that's what economists call opportunity cost. If it if it looks like the other doing the other thing probably would have been way better. That, that's what it is. It's, it's degrees of certainty. That's the way I think. You know, was, makes the most sense to think about life. Like, how how likely is this to be a good thing to do? How likely is this to be true? You start thinking in absolutes. I'm not sure it ever does any good. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, like you're saying, with this idea of the ground, that maybe the ground actually oscillates. So absolutes actually vary. So the truth is actually moving to a degree to, you know, that that just, just for instance, like take it down to the most simple case where you can say you can understand the position or the velocity, but you can't know both. Yeah. And so the same uncertainty to this where you can know something, but you can't know 100% of something. No. No, not not yet. Which we're only the first self-reflective species, and we're getting all getting all uppity. Seriously, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't see the direct link to you know ground, the ground of Earth per se. The Earth's just one little dust speck, but huh? There, there's there's something there. I think I think I see what you're getting at. <laughs> like, uh. Oh crap! You all right, man? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I think we're just kind of awash in energy. No, no, <laughs> deficient in energy. Um, I mean, I think there is a lot of a lot of beauty in in the ground concept. That, uh, oh man. Well, maybe, maybe we should just explore the other objective, relatively objective aspects see if that enlightens in any way i mean there's definitely differences in literal ground electrical potential from place to place they're probably pretty small <laughs> like if you're if you pound a stake into the ground here then pound a stake you know on wahoo you'll probably see a slight uh, difference in voltage a few electrons trickling across and uh how how the charge relates to the rest, rest of the universe is a much bigger question, though. The universe is doing its own thing, and it's, like, really big. It's so much bigger than us. can't even begin to 
you know, there's, there's not, not, enough, not enough neurons in your brain to devote one neuron to each star, so each planetary system. Uh, so, so you can't imagine it's ineffable or in, in unimaginable. Well, just trying to uh, comprehension. Yeah, trying to the physical that unit much. can't store the data. Yeah, I, th- I think we're we're buffer in... overflow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we might be in a space where it all leads back to uncertainty, which is fine. That's a good place to be in. Uncertainty is the best. Um. Well, one one thing. I mean, you could measure the charge between the the ionosphere and the Earth. And measure, you know, because there is that charge differential. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that varies. Well, well, um, so so one one idea you're saying the the charge different is different from place to place. The magnetic field of the Earth is different from place to place. Yeah, 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 for sure. That might even affect ground potential. I don't know. There's like the iron moving around inside the Earth and all that stuff, which is weird stuff. I guess it's well, interacting with magnetism and generating current. And, yeah. What's well, you know, there's like a soil probe that measures what they call EC, which is electric conductivity. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know? Do you know anything about that? Yeah, that. I mean, it's usually used to detect the amount of ions, free ions in the soil, because ions, you know, carry one way of carrying electrical current. Um, in a real simple way, you see how many there are to carrying the current. Uh. But it doesn't tell you what kind of ions there are. They could be, you know, good fertility things, things you want, calcium, magnesium, potassium, or they could be sodium, lithium, uh, plutonium. Yeah. These things will all carry carry some charge. It's probably not too much plutonium unless you're, like, you know, <laughs> certain places on the Earth. Yeah, ho- hopefully not that, but... Uh, yeah, um... So so EC EC changes that way. So um one one theory I have is that um you, you know you're an electrical being. Yeah. You have a magnetic field. I think so. And when you move you change the earth's electrical magnetic field. Eh. I mean to the to the smallest nth degree though, right? Yeah. But but you are as much as it's influencing you you're influencing it, correct? You talk are you talking about literal like walking down the street or moving in terms of like things we do? I'm talking about talking about everything. I'm talking about physics. Like if I push on this table, it pushes back on me with equal and opposite force, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you're saying. So as much as the Earth and the universe pushes on me, I push on it. Correct? Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. That's the question, huh? Can we make a difference? So everyone's you push on the table this hard, it pushes back just as much. You push on it, you know, a little harder. It might. You might yield. You might change something. It always pushes back equal. If your force overcomes that, other things can give way, but it always pushes back at you equal. It has to. That's a physical law, right? That's Newton's second law. Yeah. Crap. How's, how does this work? So if we... <laughs> how does it work when things change, when things you know, yield? I can't remember. When you yield? <laughs> when, when something yields to your effort, how, do, how does that... No, you're looking work? at start at static, like you're looking at friction co- concepts. So it's like where's a static coefficient of friction and then there's a mo- movement, like a, a moment of... Oh, I just mean like if I... If you broke okay. the table. We're, we're, we're always like jumping around in different frameworks. This is, this is 
No, no, but but super, I'm just saying like, great, but it's, well, I'm just saying crazy. in in like as much as that I push on the table, it pushes against me. Forget it, breaking. Okay, yeah, Let's yeah, just yeah. Go. Okay, like so then by that same def- definition, as I'm an electrical being, so I'm a magnetic being, right? Right. And then my electrical potential is equal and opposite against the universal magnetic potential. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're all made of matter. We're all made of you know, electrons, you know, protons, largely. So so it's true. As much as I push on it, it pushes on me, right? Yeah. So even though I'm just moving my hand, it looks like I'm moving it through free space. I'm actually pushing the whole universe, right? Uh, to a degree. As yeah, much I as guess, it's pushing on me, right? Yeah, I guess there's some... I mean, if, you, if you're saying you're moving your hand in a vacuum, we'll ignore air because there's barely any of it, right? Compared to most things. Um, then you're moving gravitationally for sure. You're making gravitational waves and we don't know what the hell is going on with gravity. Like hardly at all. The smartest people in the world have been working on it uh, since Einstein. I haven't made much progress. So that's an interesting one. It's different from electromagnetism. We haven't been able to tie them together. That's kind of the whole problem. Hmm. How is gravity different than electromagnetism? If you can answer that question, you'll be, uh, well, you'll be the greatest gift to humanity ever, maybe. Hopefully it won't just lead to some super weapon or something, but, yeah, they they, they can't figure it out. All all those hard people are are trying. They read read about it now and then. They're trying really hard. They're really smart. Uh, Nobody knows what, what... what's going on with gravity, why it's so weak, why it seems to be completely unrelated to the other forces. It just doesn't fit in with them structurally. Like we know how it works. We know the laws and we know the laws of the other ones, but they don't, they just don't fit. It's the odd, it's the odd wall out in a lot of ways. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I've only looked into gravity with interesting ideas that to me, it seems real similar to electromagnetism. Yeah. I guess superficially, doesn't have charge though it's entirely based on mass there's not like a positive and negative there's no like uh, there's, there's none of that duality I guess that yeah you find in other other things in nature yeah 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 I don't know yeah, well maybe it's, it's attracted to neutrons well it's, it's gravity attracts everything literally everything well everything has neutrons in it right uh no no. Electrons don't. Oh, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> why it doesn't attract electrons. It attracts electrons. Gravity does? Yeah. Oh. It attracts light. Look at black holes. They're sucking in everything. They spare nothing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's like okay. Every, everything has mass, sort of. Uh, I think that's an easy... This is, I mean, this is, yeah, we're, we're, we're talking on the edge of physics here. Nobody really knows how this stuff works. But, uh... You ever see those little... Those little things you put in the window and they spin when the sun hits them. That right there is insane enough. Like the, the radiation pressure, right? The fact that photons can push a vein. I think there's actually another mechanism going on that does a lot of the pushing, but photon pressure is a real thing. That's why they talk about making the solar sails and all that. Um, yeah, I, I like those ideas. Isn't that weird, though? It's weird. Oh, it's so well, weird. it's it's somewhat impractical to me. I mean, oh yeah, oh for sure. 
but the fact I just meant the fact that it that principle works isn't that crazy oh yeah 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 i well i love i love those ideas like novelty and human mind and exploration and understanding these concepts is 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 just grand but when you say like something as primal as gravity which is all around us and we really have a vague understanding of it that's where the biggest mystery is even though it's like the one that it's just it's everywhere you can't miss it well maybe it has to do with the ground well things in space seem to follow its laws all the time regardless of their relative charges completely regardless that's the weird part Hmm. like things everywhere as far as we know it just doesn't care what's going on with the weak force strong force electromagnetism all that stuff it's unperturbed i i I read a guy that most people would consider like pseudoscience i mean like mainstream folks but walter russell Huh, okay. Then he actually rings a bell then. He he has he has some interesting concepts about light and gravity and how it is. Basically, basically his thing is that light is the underlying matrix of everything. So like it's it's the it's the theoretical grid everything can fit on. Okay. And and the reason it is is because, you know, like like it's it's radiates out from a center point and like just radiates and it's ever expanding and it's ever going. And there's all these points that are these actual like quantums. Okay. And it's, they're all expanding, but they're they're It's the space and it is all light. So that the actual like physical points of the matrix actually are light. Yeah. I mean, everything, everything can be converted to light, you know, as far as we know. Well, well, an experiment I like to do is like, how fast is my hand moving? And I'm moving because you're listening. I'm moving my hand from the left to the right. How, how fast is it moving? Uh, relative to the table, it's moving at one mile per hour. Yeah. Relative okay. to the sun, several tens of thousands. Right, right, right. And that and that's the whole experiment is to say, well, right here it looks like it's moving like one mile per hour, but if we then calculate that we're rotating, the earth is spinning, it's moving thirty six hundred miles per hour plus one mile an hour, then the sun we're going around the sun, then the sun is spinning around another galaxy, we're spinning around another galaxy. And when you end up summationing all those things, my hand, what speed is my hand moving? And and the answer is the speed of light. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Huh. I'm not supposed to be able to reach the speed of light relative to. Oh God, this is, this is Einsteinian stuff. You gotta be Einstein. Ugh. No, but this is it's... what I'm saying: is light is everywhere. We are in this matrix. I'm moving at the speed of light, even yeah. though I look like I'm still. I'm just a waveform, like how a wave forms in a river. Yeah, what's the deal? Light, you know, light is weird, right? It doesn't. Uh, the whole whole thing with reference frames and all that crap getting into hazy territory. Well, you're talking about the Nyquist rate, the, or 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 the rate eyes can see, or the rate that oh, just the, you know the rate that light can travel. You know, computed famously by Einstein as being an an absolute how fast anything can travel. But then, uh, of course, it's the question of reference frames, right? According to what reference frame? Right, and, right. Uh, his, That's his, his theory of relativity. Exactly. Is That's if, the weird if you're stuff. moving at the speed of light, someone could still be moving at the speed of light away from you or towards you or in any direction, and it's like that's an impossibility. <laughs> yeah, that's why I say everything is light. Yeah, like the speed if, of light is geez. every point. Light is every point. As far as we know, I guess. <laughs> How can we know? Well, I mean, it's irrelevant. Is maybe that's the problem? 
it, what's what's the falsifiability of the theory? That's that's I guess that's what it all always comes down to. I mean, that's the whole problem with string theory. They still haven't found a test that can disprove it, which makes it not a theory. There's there's no uh, it's a it's a structure. It's it's a fun mathematical thing. And it's beautiful, but it's not a it's, a it's not necessarily linked to physical reality. Well, it's just it's just like expanding dimensions. You you start with like you know the zero dimension, one dimension, two, and then the string theory just lies like this overlapping, how it builds dimensions out, and it makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. It, it's it's as it's it's one of those things where it gets into what what we, what what problem are we trying to solve? If you're trying to trying to please our current three pound brains with a vague understanding of how you know why there's a universe why there's something rather than nothing and why that something is how it is then it's definitely useful but if you're trying to explain some phenomena that we don't understand right now or perhaps discover something new that we don't know about that's tangible in reality then it's less useful as far as you know far as we know right now well for pr- practical things we can apply it to you know i mean that's why when we started this out talking about tesla coils and then practically applying this math and then studying it and seeing yeah, like yeah, that's real sure. useful right yeah well that's the whole thing with string theory it's not it hasn't given us anything practical yet it, it's this in- incredible mathematical structure that looks like it could really fit with our universe really um build build a consistent um, platform for it but it hasn't yet made a prediction and therefore we can't do anything with it the way we can with a you know the mathematical mathematical equations surrounding you know, electricity and magnetism and light uh as we know them well well that i mean yeah that, that was i mean that was kind of a bit of a tangent i want to i want to get back to the electrical theory of like i'm an electrical being and then i push against it and push against me yeah 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 so, so the, the the podcast, the microbial secret society, it's about the microbes. Gotcha. And just like me, if I'm an electrical being and I and I'm an electrical system and I have an electrical magnetic field, and that my movement affects the charge potential of everything around me, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, the imagine you bring the soil to life. And where it was just like a desert and maybe there's just rock particles or gravel or silt or something. And there's not that, you know, there's only the charge potential of those rocks or the, you know, the salts or the ions that are naturally there, like via erosion, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But imagine all of a sudden you inoculate it with like trillions of microorganisms. That sounds, sounds like it could get exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you just put trillions and trillions and trillions of like miniature electromagnetic things, and microbes aren't sitting still, right? Usually not. I guess they they're can. like moving and like shaking and vibrating. Yeah, most most of the time. So if you took a bunch of electromagnets, some tiny tiny electromagnets, and you put them into the soil, and they all started shaking and moving because they're living, what's going to happen to the charge potential of the soil? There's going to be some fluctuations for sure on the micro scale. 
<laughs> do you think that that kind of activity could start to unlock different ions and create different waveform patterns that could create novel situations that may not happen with just standard erosion? Uh, well, they, def- they definitely... Well, that's it for our free episode. So join us at www.microbialsecret.org for the full episode and join the Microbial Secret Society. So uh, may the beneficial microbes be with you. Aloha.